0: morning podcast recording here we are
1: here we are the full coffee f- is
0: roasting yeah full apologies i am uh full you know peeking behind the where the sausage gets made in the room <laughs> in the room in the room where it happens hamilton um i'm sorry we have to know we now have to pay lin-manuel Miranda 700 that miranda i said mirando <laughs> lin-manuel miranda seven hundred thousand
1: dollars Or or we can allow him to guest on the podcast in exchange. That's that people don't know that.
0: If Lin Manuel Miranda is ever on The Mandalorian, he should be called Lin Manuel Miranda. Anyway, so (laughs) (laughs) full disclosure, uh, I am in Palm Springs right now. Currently, I have been cast in a play out here called Hand to God, playing at the Coachella Valley Prep. Prep rep. And I left all my podcasting microphone and earbuds at home. So we are doing strict uh, computer audio with earbuds in. So if my audio sounds like straight garbage, that's why.
1: Yeah, this this audio is going – Kenny's side of this, I, of course, am fully prepared. I'm at home in the bunker. Kenny is going to sound like he's on a hand-cranked Victrola.
0: Yeah, I am that dickhead on your Zoom call. Who am I? I'm Kenny <laughs> Stevenson. <laughs>
1: And I'm Alex Enriquez. Hello, welcome to Fan Controlled Fandom.
0: (laughs) This is the show in the cape space, baby. We're talking, if you have a cape on in your content for people, we're talking about it. Space, dragons and castles and stuff. Uh, 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 Superheroes. If you're wearing a cape, we're talking about it. And this week we're talking about (laughs) Mendo. Episodes 2 and 3, which episode 3 I have t- tentatively titled M-Andor-Lorian. Ma- M- Heyo! Yeah. There it is. <laughs> that's, that's tight. That's tight. It is tight. Uh, but first, got to hit our quick pieces of nerd news. This is where Alex and I, just to each other, point to the sky and hear nothing. It's called Quick Hits! Quick Hits!
1: Oh, I love it. I love it. It's so present in my brain.
0: Don't worry. I did not leave that drop back in Los Angeles. That came out to Palm Springs. We'll be able to drop that into the, into the chat. Alex, we have on this show had, we didn't have anything last week, but weekly we've been talking about James Gunn having, and it's usually in regards to him being in charge to the DCU. And it's usually him having to go on and have to like, fight somebody verbally because they are having like a tissy fit over something that, you know, uh, some sort of desecration to the great name of the Snyderverse. But it was announced this week, James Gunn, when he announced the full slate of films, we were getting a new Superman movie, Superman Legacy. When he announced it, he said he was writing it. And then this week he said... I'm going to be directing it. So James well, Gunn, yeah.
1: go ahead. Yeah, you. Th- said this he- this week he he confirmed news initially dropped by comic book writer I think Tom King, who mm-hmm. I think accidentally let it slip when in a in a roundtable discussion about some some news on the publishing side for DC Comics that he I think he said something about enjoying James Gunn's support and very excited to see the Superman movie he's directing and <laughs> I think they had to come out and well it's confirmed now.
0: Well, I guess, uh, yay. I guess I'm going to do it. But yes, he is officially directing Superman Legacy. He was uh, able to say, he said, My brother Matt told me when he saw the release date, he started to cry. I asked him why, and he said, Dude, it's dad's birthday. So I'm assuming his dad is no longer with us, because why would you just cry about that? But anyway, that's happening July 11th, 2025. We know James Gunn has guardians volume three coming out in mere months. And then his next directing job is going to be Superman legacy. I think this is absolutely fantastic news.
1: And I think it's a Testament to the kind of creator we get in James Gunn who isn't, who, who isn't just the violence gross out uh, funny guy. Like he has a very deep uh, heart that he's very in touch with that he brings to his projects. And I think that that like, once again, you know, using that image of all-star Superman to kind of talk about the feelings that you're trying to engender with this project are very encouraging to me.
0: Yeah, I there, there's something about just him as a as a filmmaker, he has, like, there's something about like, having somebody with a specific take to Superman that isn't, It's to me, Superman is such a hard character to put on film, not just because like Christopher Reeve, like literally was like the first comic book kind of movie star. And like that's such an iconic kind of image. It's just so hard in this like current iteration of comics filmmaking, which DC was doing for a long time and Marvel has, you know, has changed a little bit. But this kind of more grounded take, even when things are silly And the way that Marvel's gotten around that is by just having the characters themselves kind of be commentating on how goofy stuff is, but it's still grounded in character and reality. And Superman is just so at its core kind of goofy, you know? Like he's just in a really super loud (laughs) suit. Like it's bright blue and red, can't miss him. And it's it's just a little silly. Like when you're first starting. Comics, that's your first character character—and comics has come so far in terms of what, you know, literally like the devil is a character in the Marvel universe that people have been dying to see in the MCU. And DC has like, everybody has multiverses and alternate realities and yada yadas. And yet there's still just this, his name is Superman. Like that's like, you know, so it's so hard. But then to like, to me, to then have a filmmaker like James Gunn, who knows that, the way to make these things work is to not take them seriously. And, you know, you look at all the Guardians movies, his Suicide Squad is fantastic. Peacemaker is fantastic. Like the overarching theme of those is that everyone in these things is kind of in on the joke. Yeah. So to apply that to Superman, a character that on its face to me, like when you're a kid is like, you know, it's, you know what I mean? He's like a gateway superhero. He like gets you into everything. Yeah.
1: In in my experience as a little kid, it was always the first the first fight you have before the play fight is over who gets to be Superman when you're playing. Yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: uh and Because he's so everything. He's like, he's everything, Superman. he's the best. <laughs> the the thing that encourages me about this is like you you know. He, of course, his real superpower is he just happens to have the right amount of strength just enough to defeat whatever circumstances in front of him. And so because you can't challenge the super, you have to challenge the man. And I think mm-hmm. Brian Singer got as close as we've ever gotten with a boring movie, unfortunately. Oh my but god. But I mean I'm encouraged. <laughs> I'm encouraged by James Gunn's, you know, he in his remarks, he talks about the two sides of Superman's family informing who he is. And so like you know, I'm, I'm hoping that similar to what we're seeing in Mandalorian now, where the shift is away from your villain being the antagonist, that sometimes circumstance can be the antagonist. Sometimes the opposing desires of the people close to you can be the antagonist. It isn't which, you know, the good thing about doing that to Superman is it's something he can't punch because anything punchable is not going to withstand any Superman-ness, you know, for very long. But if you, like I said, you challenge the human, challenge the man.
0: Yeah. I, I love that take. That there's It's the man portion of Superman that is really like where you have to go. Because the super is like, I mean, he literally, he can fly. He can has heat vision. He can turn invisible. He can, you know, able to, you know, he can lift a train. It's like, you know what I mean? There isn't like, and there's only weakness is this rock that is found from his home planet that only like five people have. It's like, well, that's your, the power scaling there is off the charts like can't well, really.
1: he's also famously uh vulnerable to magic which is very unexplored i've always i've always fancied uh-huh. yes a sorcerer can bla- you know harry potter could blast him with something but i always thought too like if he went to the magic castle somebody did some really good close-up he'd be like oh my god how'd you do that what <laughs> oh no That's way
0: a- that's amazing. Like he goes to Magic Castle and someone pulls like a like a pen out of his pocket all of a sudden and he's like, he like dies. He like literally his yeah. He stops <laughs> like <laughs>
1: undone. Or he can't. They won't even, he he can't even get past the sliding bookcase secret entrance. He's like even that's too much magic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so Clark. This, why this, can't
1: this, you come into the castle anyway?
0: Anyway, this is very. I think this is just this is just good news. I think this is like what is really going to make the dcu work because what it hasn't been working is is like again like and i think it's james gunn i don't think needs to be shy about this is like the marvel model which is like you bring in a director and let them do their thing on this piece of ip with you know a heavy hand like Marvel it's not like you know marvel hired sam Raimi and let him go crazy (laughs) like you know there's there's some hand holding there
1: but uh, I, I like the I like the idea that that James Gunn earlier said that DC was just giving the IP to anybody who came up and asked, and that James isn't one of those people. He doesn't count himself yeah. amongst the the IP grabbers, like in a candy store or whatever.
0: Yeah, well, they came to me because I got fired from Disney. Anywho, something that we <laughs> – a piece of IP that doesn't really have capes, but definitely has like a. Uh, What are those long, a duster? Definitely has like a duster in it, which dusters are
1: the capes of jackets. Yes, I was going to say,
0: I was literally going to say, dusters are the capes of jackets.
1: (laughs) We spend too much time together now.
0: I know. Dusters (laughs) are the capes of jackets, but definitely in the duster space. Um, Duster space. Tombstone, Blade Runner. Blade. That's what Blade Runner. Blade Runner. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, it was announced uh, this week that there is going to be a limited series uh, on uh, Prime Video, and it was reported that Jamie, I'm going to probably say this wrong, Podswa has signed on to direct the pilot. It's called being called Blade Runner 2099. Uh, Podswa is known for his work on HBO's Game of Thrones. But he's also helmed episodes of Six Feet Under, Carnival, The Tudors, The Pacific. Anyway, just a bunch of HBO stuff. Um, He will also serve as the producing director and executive producer on the series. There isn't a lot of details as to what Blade Runner 2099 is going to be about. It just says that it will uphold the intellect, themes, and spirit of its film's predecessors. So I
1: think we've got two details here. One is that this, I think, takes place 50 years in the future from the sequel. And also an interesting wrinkle here that, you know, this could have and maybe arguably should have been on HBO Max along with the new Batman animated series that are both going to find homes on Amazon's streaming platform, which is strange to me.
0: (laughs) Whatever they're doing over at Warner Discovery is just... I it's I would akin it to a home makeover, you know? We're gonna move some it, stuff over here and <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're, paint over here and this. Bewildering
1: get bewildering the stuff? owners the entire time? Bewildering the neighbors, everybody what what the
0: why what is there that a car? Why is
1: there the back end of a car sticking out of the roof? Oh, the kid likes cars. Cool. Um, the the uh, but I, I think maybe maybe if we can put an an encouraging spin on this is like, you know, sure. there used to be no walled off gardens. People were making stuff. nobody had their own channel usually. So they were making stuff to be presented, produced and distributed by all manner of outlets. So maybe this is returning back to the less of a walled off kind of thing that. Hey, we're allowing some of the properties. I mean, hey, look, it's smart even to just go, hey, Prime Video subscribers, you know where you can get a whole bunch more Batman? Right over here, HBO Max. HBO Max Discovery Plus.
0: HBO HBO Bery Plus. Um, That sounds terrible. (laughs) That sounds over. Anyway, but Blade Runner, though. Um, I have no idea what this is going to look like to me and we do we do proper pronunciations on this show when we say Denis Villeneuve's um take mm-hmm. on Blade Runner 2049 to me and even you know Ridley Scott's like, original film the look is like critical like it, yeah. the, the look of the film and of uh, America and Los Angeles is is imperative of the whole thing. So obviously, but being 50 years in the future, we're not going to have Harrison Ford or, um, I mean, we could have Ryan Gosling. He's a, he's a, he's a freaking replicant.
1: Spoiler alert. For well, so so Decker Decker's a replicant.
0: Didn't they say in the, in the second one that he, he wasn't. I don't think. Yeah. He I got to watch bro. that second one again. I got to watch that second one. Again. I've seen the second one a few times. I'm pretty sure. Cause he's old. Like he's not. Like I'm pretty sure they say that in the second one that he, he's not, because he goes out to Vegas with Sean Young's character is what they implied, and then she goes away because she was a replicant.
1: And she hasn't aged, we see that, right? Um That movie that movie that movie messed me up. I gotta see that again.
0: No, they had like a bot. They brought out like Jared Leto's kid. Jared Leto just doing freaking Jared Leto things in that movie. Jared Leto. Brings her like he made another replica that looks. It's a great movie. It's worth checking out. It's
1: so good. I Did Jared recommend. Leto? Jared Leto arrives on the scene with My So Called Life, playing Jordan Catalano. He's the handsomest man on television at that moment. Has the coolest name for a character, and it's, it's as if he comes on the scene and is every everybody's adoring him for how handsome he is. And he goes, Yeah, I don't like that.
0: I don't yeah, want that he, anymore. And then he just says, It's morbid time. So. <laughs> I think we're definitely excited we uh you know this this is this is something that we want to get we don't have a lot of news on it now this specific piece of news that I put in here is which is cup next is specifically for the overall host of fan controlled um the fan controlled show Josh McCuga, who is the person i one of the people I send our podcast to every week, and when I first initially approached him about our doing uh or at this show on the network he was like I love stuff he's like if you ever talk about bad boys I'm in cuz he loves the bad boys movies and we got news this week in regards to bad boys 4 are you a bad boys person at all
1: well while in my day-to-day walking around life I do love yes. to consider oh. myself a bad boy. You're a bad boy um, for life. You're a bad boy thank you. for life. Thank you. Thank you. And coming from such a bad boy as yourself, that means a lot. But I have never seen not boys. one single frame of a bad boys movie. Well, that's great. I will say as a Sony employee, the bad boys movies are all excellent. Um, <laughs> like, I want to see them. It's just my my, say, my, my my mommy and daddy when the first one came out said, nothing doing, son. And I, I, I just kind of stuck with that.
0: Here's what I'll say with the bad boys movies. First movie. Great. It's like early Michael Bay. It's like the movie he made before he made The Rock. It's early Michael Bay. So it's like he's definitely like way more restrained. It's like young Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Second, Bad Boys 2 is a little bit like Michael Bay has gotten a couple films under his belt and it's a little bit like everything's turned to 11 like Michael Bay normally is like cars flying into buildings and buildings blowing up and all in slow motion while the camera's spinning and you know, all that garbage. That it's, trans-
1: it's the transition between the Michael Bay that people in the film industry and the music video industry knew into the Michael Bay that the mainstream consumer had a familiarity with.
0: Yeah. And then the third one is taken over by these two guys whose names I do not remember. They're the two guys who were helming the, they directed the back back movie that's oh, it's The Daniels. No, it's not the Daniels. <laughs> Which, by the way, kudos to them. Way to go. Great movie. We talked about it last week. Um, no, I forget their names. It's like, and they they directed a lot of uh, Ms. Marvel, too. I think they, Yeah, they directed the first like, three episodes of Ms. Marvel. So the third one is actually a lot of fun. And um, Total Mistake by Sony. They should have just called it Bad Boys 3. They called the third one Bad Boys for Life because I think they didn't know if they would do another one. But now that they're doing a fourth one, you've screwed up because the fourth one should be called Bad Boys 4 Life. And I just I never understood why we did that, but we did it. But anyway, it was announced one of the people who started Bad Boys 3 uh, was Vanessa Hudgens. And she is she has confirmed she's coming back for Bad Boys 4. So that implies Bad Boys 3 set up this like kind of new unit that Will Smith's character was working in because martin lawrence was retired because like all cop movies he was getting too old for this shit so he was that guy and will smith is the like i don't want to recognize that i'm old so basically will playing himself
1: the last time yeah yeah actually i i read in variety recently that uh will smith tried to slap old age and it uh didn't work he wasn't able to really kind of Know, get, get it, get it to work.
0: Yeah, so that's just specifically that was news specifically for Josh McCuga. Get excited, Vanessa. I don't know if you liked or didn't like Vanessa Hudgens in
1: Bad Boys for Life, but she's coming back, baby. I will. <laughs> I will catch up. You know, now that I know that the boss man is into it, you know, I'm a company man. I'm all yeah, about. You, you know, I'm all about yeah, you the are company. Now, you
0: are now a Sony employee by default.
1: So I'm gonna. I'm gonna shoot. Uh, well, cool. I'm gonna. I'm going to uh, watch these movies so I know what I'm talking about. We'll, we'll be able to comment on it when it comes well, out. Be, yeah,
0: there'll be more coming. All right, Alex. We got some Dwayne The Rock Johnson news this week. Um, awesome. And it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson, specifically in regards to Black Adam. Um, so Dwayne The Rock John, Johnson comments on Henry Cavill's DCU exit after fighting so hard to get him back. We've covered this on the big, the big broadcast here at length Dwayne The Rock Johnson was wanted Henry Cavill and Black Adam studio, no, DC people, former DC people said, no, can't do that. And then Dwayne The Rock Johnson, a month before the movie came out, went to the actual head of the studio and the head of the studio said, okay, yeah, put him in your movie. And then Henry Cavill says, I'm back. And then James Gunn's like, I actually, no, you're, you're not. So then now we have comments from Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, While smiling for the cameras, Variety Senior Culture and Events Editor Mark Malkin asked Johnson about his feeling toward Cavill's big comeback, getting ditched by the studio's new management. Here's what Dwayne at The Rock Johnson said. He said, all that I can do and all that we could do when we were making Black Adam was to put our best foot forward and surround ourselves with the best people and deliver the best movie we could. You failed. He didn't say that. I said that. (laughs) Our audience score was in the 90s. Critics took a couple of shots. Come on, Dwayne, a couple of sh- shots. <laughs> but that's just the business of it. It's almost like when you have a pro football team, and your quarterback wins championships, and your head coach wins championships, and then a new owner comes in and says, "Not my coach, not my quarterback. I'm going to go with somebody new." What the championships
1: new- did these people win? What? Ch- okay, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm no, mad. I'm mad at that's, Dwayne that's, the Rock Johnson.
0: That's all he said. But yeah, it's it's how. Like, that just shows to me that Dwayne The Rock Johnson, God bless him, I'm enjoying the XFL, it's wonderful. The man is so out of touch. Like, the movie Black Adam lost the studio, like, a ton of money. Like, what, it was like $100 million it lost the studio? Something like that? Like, it's, your movie has to, if your movie was, like, whatever, what is the, if it was making tons of money... I literally just could not think of a movie that's made money. I just was like, what's that movie? I just was about to say, what's that movie that's making all the money? I almost just said that. Avatar. Thank you. I got to it eventually. If <laughs> You
1: if could Black, do this podcast by yourself, I Kenny. I've this, always I said that. <laughs> uh, that's
0: it. I'm done. Thank you. Um, if Black Adam made Avatar money, then yeah, I'm pretty sure Henry Cavill maybe still would be Superman, but... If your movie doesn't make money, why are they gonna there's a literal way to know if an audience wants to see something?
1: Yeah, what what he what he meant to say when he said a winning quarterback and coach, he meant a losing quarterback and losing coach that a certain group of fans can't get enough of, but that aren't doing well by any other metric of how one plays football wins championships points scored Uh, just the ability the ability to play more than one game that doesn't seem like they oh they randomly just had a good one hallelujah but the rest have been but you know i could i could extend this metaphor backwards on him and Dwayne, you come at me man we can have a chat about this because i'm not in your reality distortion field okay bud yeah Dwayne the rock uh, johnson
0: do you heard her here first Dwayne the rock johnson come and
1: fight alex enriquez do it do it you know, uh, you should see, you, you know, bring your candy I, I, ass,
0: bring your candy ass down here.
1: And afterwards, all I request of you uh, stand over your beaten body is that you give me fashion tips because literally every time I see the rock wearing anything, I'm like, that's a fucking look, man. That is part of my French. But he sometimes and this is a little off topic for our show, but um, fine. in the last like maybe 24 months, I think he's gone with a wider cuff pant. That I'm not in favor of, especially in somebody his shape. It's a little of the time right now, but uh, I would I would prefer a narrower cuff on Dwayne the Rock Johnson. But otherwise, I I just, mean, his his I, Oscar I look. You. No, I know. Chef's kiss.
0: He walked out in what was what would you call that color? It's not it's not salmon. It's like a light peach. It wasn't. It's, it's like a blush. Yeah, it was amazing. He had an amazing Shipley, a light chablis. had an amazing uh, jacket. Amazing tuxedo at the uh, at the Oscars and with Emily Blunt, his co star in Jungle Cruise. Their chemistry was electric. Um, they,
1: it's, the, the trades, by the way, call them best friends. And this is all going to go on fan-controlled fashion, which comes out Sundays.
0: <laughs> there was something all oh, about the pants. I don't think he could get into a lower cuff. His, his quads, man, are like – they're. You don't like got to get the changing. quad to the cuff. I know, but you got to get the whole pant. We're talking that it's got to be looser. We're talking like it's got to be a bigger waist than a smaller inseam, man. That's tough.
1: It's. I think if anybody could do it, Dwayne the Rock Johnson could. And this
0: concludes
1: Pants Chat. Anyway,
0: <laughs> um, back to uh, other fan. Oh, so this is this is the last piece of news. I saved this for last. We dedicated two full episodes of this show to the to the television show Willow. Correct? Maybe maybe even more. Maybe yeah. We maybe I might have done three. We definitely talked about it in a lot of them. Uh, Disney Plus announced that they are canceling Willow. It is not going to return. Um, There was no sort of like reason as to why. The series was pretty well reviewed. It was 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. And there, you know, it had a, you know, despite what you heard on this show about Willow, it, it, uh, it, not for us, not, not aimed at us. Pretty well received. I don't know. What's your feeling? Do you have any like? Do you have any? Are you sad? Any sadness over Willow being canceled?
1: I th- I think that it's it's a display of the kind of new model. Um, I don't think that the launch of a new Willow series is the kind of IP pivot that will gain new subscribers because the game now is new subscribers. That's the in in the streaming model. That's all you've got, and Willow doesn't bring that in. But I think what it does is create a a good bed for new subscribers to land in. It's like, oh, you, we've got Willow, we've got the follow up thing we've made. It's a deeper world to kind of land in. It's not a yeah. it's not a leader like the Star Wars stuff or the Marvel stuff. I'm sure is. Um, but I I like that it's there. That, that there's and, – and there's something to go back to, you know, that if there's enough fan support or whatever, they'll just make another Willow thing.
0: Release the Willowverse.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to get Greg Berlanti to make a, a bunch of CW uh, series shows. around yes. the Willowverse.
0: Well, you know, you're, it's, you, it's a good point that you bring up because – the thing that I think people forget, especially with a lot of streaming shows, is that the show is when they say, "Oh, Netflix has canceled this." HBO's canceled. Well, HBO they might actually take it off the platform. I'm talking about Disney or, or other networks, other streaming networks. The thing doesn't leave the platform; like it's still there. And you know, mm-hmm. you're right. It's not going to drive subscribers. But the other thing that all the streaming platforms need besides um, besides you signing up is keeping you on the platform because a lot of people will just do create a fake email and sign up just to watch the Mandalorian and then get off when it's done and to try to keep you there. So the more they can broaden out, like, you know, the the algorithm can keep suggesting that you watch Willow when you watch something Lucasfilm and then you watch Willow. And then after Willow's over, it's like, Hey, there's this TV show too. And then who's to say that like, they have the IP, like, five years from now, they're like looking at the algorithm and being like God, p- shit ton of people are watching this fucking Willow show, part of my French. And they just come up with something else. Like it's not, it's not, uh, maybe it's 30 years later or whatever. You know what I mean? Like they have, it. well, they,
1: it's not, they didn't, they didn't cancel the IP. They just canceled this one thing they made with it. There. I mean, it's, and, cancellation it's not even I don't even think cancellation is probably the right term I mean I'm so tired
0: of all this cancel culture talk I'm just tired oh you can't even
1: hey look you know Kenny you can't even I had a family member come up to me and say like you know it's like you guys can't even say anything anymore and I looked at him I was like I've never once felt that man
0: yeah (laughs) you know it's so hard for us libs us libs walking around it's like I can't talk I just want to all I want to do is just that to me is like oh so that just means that like 90% of your di- dialogue is either racist, anti-Semitic, misogynist, homophobic, like transphobic. Like, yeah, well, you know, I, it's not I hard think for me because I'm not just like walking around spouting. out. It
1: hate. might be I even more insidious than that. It's that that is the thing that's in the person's head all the time that they yeah. know they can't say out loud and you're literally telling them their thoughts are crimes and so they're going, my thoughts are crimes. You can't even think anything. It's like, well, you shouldn't be thinking those things in the first place. You dullard. Anyway, um, Anywho. <laughs> uh, it, it, this wasn't canceled so much as well, we were not doing another series. Like, I think that they, yeah. they just launched this. And it's it's ah. like James Gunn said, he, we didn't cast him. So we didn't lose the role. They didn't they didn't ah. say they didn't say there's going to be a season two. So it's being canceled or whatever. I, I don't know. It's, and who cares about that business stuff anyway?
0: Who cares about it? You know what I do care about? Sports. Because this is on the Fan Control Sports and Entertainment Podcast Network. And we do one piece of sports news, take a break from the capes to talk about people who don't wear capes, athletes. The real heroes. and The real heroes. And Alex has a piece of sports news every week.
1: And it's usually in the world of Formula One racing. Is that where we're going? This week is no exception. Uh, the action is heating <laughs> up, heading here into the Saudi Grand Prix, the second race of the season. And uh, hold on to your hats, Ferrari fans, or should I say, uh, hold on to your seats, because you're going to be spending a lot of time in them. It seems. Uh, number one Ferrari driver Charles Leclerc uh, has taken not his second but his third power unit of the season um, in a two race old season. That seems to be pretty drastic, but for the uh, for the pleasure, he's going to be suffering a ten place grid penalty. So not looking great for Charles Leclerc, nor his uh, his partner driver, Carlos Sainz, who is taking his second power unit. Fortunately, no grid penalty for that on, uh, on him just yet. But not an encouraging start for the team that every year is a perennial favorite to win it all before they actually hit the asphalt. Kenny, back to you. God, if I have a nickel for every time I was called
0: power unit. Anyway, so... <laughs>
1: That was your name in that that. bodybuilding group that used to split the uh, split the uh, the phone books books, at the school assemblies.
0: Books, but it was all for Jesus. It was all Jesus based books.
1: Remember those guys? There was Hercules. There was Hercules Power Unit. uh, Little Big Man. (laughs) Chompo. I love it, Um, Alex. My piece of sports
0: news. Um, I don't know if any of y'all have a cold or anything. It's not COVID. It's March Madness. Um, what a great joke. What a great joke that was. Worth it. Um, so I'm going to take just a little bit of time to, I think everybody has their brackets, yada, yada. I want to call out the fact that today is the first day, not of the men's tournament, of the women's tournament. The women also have a just as equally exciting, if not more so, uh, tournament that Can I, can that I kicks pause off- it?
1: Yes, maybe more so. Can I posit that maybe more so, given like you have these teams that have these like dominant streaks that are at stake in the in the you know the finals
0: here. Yes, and
1: there there
0: are there are larger rivalries because no people are not leaving college early, which I don't care. Like I'm not somebody who thinks that like they need to go to school for four years. You can't deny someone to be able to right turn money, Um, but most you know they're not. Uh, women's players don't get to come out early to go make the millions in the NBA. So they're going to stay in college for four years. So you don't just have the collegiate rivals. You have um, uh, the the players have all played against each other. Like it's, and these arenas are packed. It it is, it is an equally exciting and um, has all the great, all the things that you want, quote unquote, from college basketball upsets, all the stuff without A ton of the like corporate nonsense, but at the same time, I will say, it is the the game is are equally exciting. The 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 stands are equally as packed, but the players themselves make infinitely less money with their NIL deals and their sponsorship deals that they can get now. So we need to give the women's game as much support as possible. That's my news there, Alex. Speaking of support, you know we can't put this podcast on. You know, I can't just like forget all of my podcasting stuff in LA and still be able to put a podcast on. We need to have corporate underwriting. Alex, who's our sponsor for the show this week?
1: Uh, it's actually, it, I think it's kind of close to where you are in Palm Springs. There's a town oh, okay. nearby called Thirty Eight Palms.
0: No, that's Twenty Nine. I think
1: it's Twenty Nine. Well, yes, twenty. This is not. This is not Twenty Nine Palms. It's Thirty Eight Palms. It's a neighboring community. And uh, and the corporate underwriter this week is uh, is a staple in in 38 Palms. It's Old Pop's Cowboy Steakhouse. Oh, good. Okay. Um, they're the steakhouse that puts God first. Um, <laughs> okay. They're they're at 12338 38 Palms Drive, and they're a vittle house brimming with good eats and always obeying rule number one of the cowboy code: there is but one God, and He is fearsome, vengeful, and ceaseless. Old Pop's Cowboy Steakhouse come on in it's it's ceaseless that's
0: just just imagining a a god of just like constant hell and brimstone um
1: yeah that's i mean
0: that's that's your that's your vision man i might swing over there later today after i uh finish rehearsal speaking of finishing that's the all the pre-stuff let's get to the meat of this me to this freaking meal baby episodes two of c two and three of season three of the mandalorian holy this is the way this is very much the way these two episodes do kind of like fit well together because basically all of episode two and the first like 15 minutes of episode three is kind of and then the end of episode three is kind of one contained story which is din and i'll do a quick recap din and grogu go to mandalore they see that they can breathe the air they go underground we see for the first time full live action city of mandalore um and because din is going to bathe in the uh the waters he gets uh the living waters he gets kidnapped by some like robotic spider tells grogu to get bo katan he goes and gets bo katan bo katan rescues din din goes to wait in the waters immediately drops down uh Beau pulls him out as pulling him out she sees a mythosaur which are supposedly no longer around however they are the symbol that have been on the mandalores for centuries well
1: so at we least see since that- 1979 when they developed boba fett's costume yes
0: exactly <laughs> um yeah no i'm talking about in lore um not not in human. Didn't, George didn't find this on like cave drawings. Um, so, <laughs> so then that leads us into episode three, which is Bo. Then does not tell Din that she found the mythosaur as they're leaving, heading back to leaving Mandalore, heading back to Bo Katan's planet. Um, there is they are attacked by Imperials, which is wild because Imperials. It's we're in the Republic now. The uh, Imperials, they split up, they get into a dogfight, the, the Imperials then blow up Bo's castle, and then they decide to go to the Covert, and then at that point, because they both bathe in the living waters, Bo and Din are led into the to be children of the Watch. That's kind of that story. Then in the middle, we get <laughs> 30 minutes of the Doctor, whose name has immediately escaped my head. Do you remember? Pershing. Thank you very much. Pershing is on Coruscant. We've learned that the people in the empire have gone through and I'm forgetting this name too. I had it all written down and it's all left my brain. The thing they go through to like kind of convert them conversion or they call it. um, What do they call it? Yeah.
1: I can't remember what they call it either. Something very. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so we've learned that people from the empire can choose to go through some sort of like deprogramming and become like a rehabilitation sort of thing. Let back into society. Pershing is then tempted by somebody else from. We got. I'm going to get the IMDb up because I can't remember her name either. <laughs> the woman who comes to Pershing, and uh, basically convinces him to do his continuous cloning research. Cloning has been banned by the Republic. They go to find some Republic some cloning equipment off uh, a ship. Uh, it was learned that this woman has uh, turned on him. He is taken prisoner, and then. His mind is flayed. There we go. Alex, there was a lot there. I'm sorry. I'm going to shut up. What did you think of these two episodes of television?
1: I really, really enjoyed the kind of escalation we see from an action standpoint, a lore standpoint, a a narrative, overall narrative standpoint. Um, You know, we talked a lot about that first episode being a lot of place setting, a lot of setup. And these two episodes really just like, you know that they spike the ball. Like there's a, you know, one, two little setup thing and a bam, right back into your face. They get you going. Um, I think this, there's some very interesting strands and suggestions that people who are, um, certainly more aware of these kinds of things, uh, and watch these things a little more closely. People are calling out the implications of some of these story decisions, some of the things that happen, uh, what, what they signal for the broader continuity when you combine them, especially with the creators of this show and the, work they've done before um of course i'm talking a little bit about um maybe Thrawn is coming (laughs) you know they uh i'm i'm just such a fan of the space that they're creating here and i i'm uh i'm 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 watching it again as we're recording just so like to have something in the background but it's uh it's really exciting and by the way uh you know he's got r5d for the droid now That's a Mm -hmm. canonical – the canonical – the droid that R2-D2 asks to make itself explode so that it won't be taken by the Lars family.
0: (laughs) I did not put that together. That's incredible. That
1: that is – there was actually in Legends time, there was one of those comic books that Dark Horse put out that's like, oh, here's here's a bunch of little three-, four-page comic stories from very, very ancillary characters, and I think it was either Grant Morrison or Garth Ennis or one of these British comic book writers who wrote a story – that posited that R five D four was the first Force sensitive droid, and Whoa, as he's really? as, as he's well, I mean it's not it's not it's not uh, canon or anything, but he the story went that as this droid is rolling out to meet the Lars family, it sees Luke's future using the Force and knows that it can't go with Luke, that R two needs to go with Luke, so. It purposely wow. commits suicide and blows its motivator. Um, ah! But they, I think, new rock stars indicated that that now in canon there is a signal that R two D two passes to R five D four saying, "I've got to go with this kid. You need to make you need to make like a tree and leave." And so, but that's that's our R five that's now paling around with the Mandalorian. I hadn't even put that together. That is just
0: absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I, I thought these two episodes of television were were fantastic. I think this show is just like stepping up to the plate and hitting home runs or it's like being tossed Absolutely. the ball and it's just Tomahawk dunking it. I think the fact that we got in episode 2 when we left to the first episode and we learned that like and even back to Book of Boba Fett when there was a lot of talk about you have to go back to the living waters if you want to be redeemed because for taking your helmet off I when that was announced in the first episode, I'm like, oh, we're gonna get there by like episode ten, like the final episode is gonna be him trying to get into the water. And no, we're like, we're like two minutes into episode two, we're at Mandalore. I'm
1: like, oh, okay, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I love that too because I thought the same things. Oh, here's our here's our kind of our thing to chase for eight episodes, but no, he he goes right in and. And do in doing so creates a whole bunch of other circumstances that are now going to propel us that we we don't have a clear a clear vision of how that's going to turn out you know like it's a real head scratcher what's going to happen with Bo-Katan and the the idea that only she knows the Mythosaur is back um, what yeah. is what is Bo, what is a print you know this princess who has you know every time we've seen her kind of disavowed the the hardcore Mandalorian lifestyle. Well, now she's living with them. She's in the covert. She's bathed in the waters. This is the way, like what is she, yeah, it's, wh- wh- how does she, how does she consolidate power now?
0: Yeah. I wrote down, um, how do we feel about the amount of Mandalore we are getting? And <laughs> I, I do like the, it's all, I mean, it's always exciting to like see something for us. Like, you know, goofies who watch all the, all the content that Star Wars puts out which for a long time was strictly animated content. I mean there's 7 seasons of Clone Wars and the first 5 seasons are full 22 episodes of television. Like it is there's a there's more Clone Wars than anything else <laughs> of Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, that's just the most
1: explored corner of, well, of I just the mean in like literal hours.
0: I just mean in literal hours of content. Like there, there's yeah. way more Clone Wars than there are of all the films. So the thing that is kind of fun with watching, with getting to see Mandalore is we've seen it even as a, as like a rubble, like it's, and it's only thing that's kind of wild is that it's only been like 20. I mean, how old is Luke in Jedi? He's supposed to be like 23. All right. Uh, Alex has to step away. So this is time for me to vamp. Um, what I was going to say was, you know, to see the, oh, that wasn't that much vamping. I thought I had to vamp for a while there. Uh, how old is Luke supposed to be in Jedi? Uh,
1: 38. That's not, that's not true. No, I'm joking.
0: (laughs) Well, I know it's, I know the time between, um, uh, New Hope and Empire is supposed to be fairly big. And then the time between Empire and not big, but like a couple of years. Yeah. And then the time between Jedi and, um empire and jedi is short
1: like well, it's only like, I, I also only like four I, or five months empire takes place over a very long time a longer time than seems to be indicated by the movie you're watching i think there's like he has to do a significant amount of training on dagobah so and and yeah, they're
0: in yeah i think i read somewhere that they're in the, the millennium falcon is in that worm
1: for like months yeah yes it's, it, yeah. they're, they're, lo- they're at least lost in the asteroid field for quite a while and wandering and looking for, it's, it's something fudgy that I actually didn't even think about until like maybe the four millionth time I'd watched <laughs> Empire. <laughs> I was just, I had to Google, like, wait a minute, how long was he there? And I think there, I think there's, it's been a while since I looked up the question, but I think people posited maybe six months.
0: Whoa, and Dagobah, that's wild.
1: Um, I mean, he's got to learn quite a bit, you know. He he comes he comes out of that able to, you know, not be killed by Darth Vader immediately. And you can and you know, is Darth Vader really attacking him? Really fighting him? Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, but I was going to say, like in terms of time between when
0: the fall of Mandalore was, which was at the same time as Order sixty six, basically, mm-hmm. the fall of Mandalore to where we are now, we're talking. 18 years before a New Hope and maybe a couple years. So it's only been like 20, maybe at the most, let's say 25 years since Mandalore fell. And it is like, it is like rubble city down there. And there's like yeah. all kinds times of weird animals and it's like that, that weird I've, I've monster down in the basement. That was some goofy, crazy fun. Potentially. Was that, was that scary for you? Did you get a little, a little scary. It wasn't
1: scary. No, it wasn't scary to me, Kenny. You don't have to say it like that. I, you know, <laughs> it was full daylight, and I watched it on a television, and I was able to hold my wife's hand, so it wasn't scary. <laughs> um, I, I actually, that's a that's a piece of lore there that I would. I mean, I guess at some point in some other project, a creature like that will come back, but. I was a little bit like, Hey, give me, give me more of this guy. What's his deal? Like, is this yeah, a new yeah. species that we're, that we're seeing? Is this, you know, it, I, I wanted to know more. It, there's some, so much suggested by the design of that creature. I'm like, is that a person that's so cybernetized that that's all there that's left of them? Yeah, is, Cause there's an eye know. there. It's not like it was just a robot. I mean, there's an
0: eye there that was like yeah. looking through a weird glass. Yeah. It was fun. It was really goofy and fun. And I like, I like, I like my space to be weird. Um, I do think, like, we had originally thought when we were talking about the first episode that there was, like, I especially thought that, like, oh, he's going to take his helmet off. Like, he's going to learn during the course of the season. When when I thought he wasn't going to get there until, you know, end of season, he's going to learn over the course of the season that he doesn't want to keep this helmet on. You know, he's going to, he wants to, he's the ruler of Mandalore, and Bo-Katan's going to make him realize (laughs) that he doesn't need to have, he has the dark saber. He doesn't need... You know what I mean? But then, like, by the end of episode three, we are at the covert, and not only has he been redeemed, he now has Bo-Katan in the covert, which I thought was, like, some, was some great stuff. So I feel like my opinion as to where we're going with this is wholly different. Like, do you think we're now at a place where we're now... The other thing I always thought was going to maybe happen was we're going to see Grogu in some frickin' Beskar by the end of
1: this thing. I mean, I, I think... I, I think Grogu is going to be the crux point of a lot of this stuff because we still don't know what his position in the covert will be. The the armorer told Jin to reunite or told Din to reunite Grogu with his people. And we still don't have the resolution of that, right? We don't um. have like, hey, I took him. Because the last time the, uh, Din and the armorer saw each other, um before he went to find the living waters he didn't have grogu with him this before he went to find grogu so i think that there's a lot of shifting we talk about lore and there's all these rules there's all this don't take your helmet off you need to have the saber and i don't know if this has been addressed directly on the show but i've heard conversation around it from places like the new rock stars that say um that, that some of these things have been used, like they don't work that the dark saber as the mark of who is the king or queen of mandalore uh you know it's just been used to divide the people not unite the people the masks serve to further divide people um and din and the foundling possibly are great examples of the expansiveness of mandalorian culture that they will take in a foundling that anybody can come in and join as long as they they play by the rules and i think maybe the struggle will be between the triangle of din grogu the armorer and uh and vizsla in the covert and whatever whatever katie Sackoff. uh, uh what, sorry what's her character again we're oh, just
0: we're, we're, we're nailing it bo-katan i looked at i looked up the i have the imdb and i do know that the woman who then uh who uh coerces pershing is kane so we'll get we know we'll be better <laughs>
1: Oh! Oh! Where you, go, where ah, you go, Muted where my you mic, and then I didn't unmute it, and here I am to say yes. Yeah. Exactly. Perfect.
0: Um. Yeah. So I. Yeah. To me, like this. This. The thing I love about what was done by having, uh, Beau join the covert was now like, not that I. I again, we don't ever want to. I don't ever want to say that. Like, I thought it was doing this, and now I'm upset about it. To me, it's like I'm just like I'm wondering, kind of curious as to where we're going. And I had an idea and now it's changed and I'm okay with that. And I like where we're going and that's fine because this is what I'm being shown. And I think it's an interesting, an interesting, because we're still kind of having the same kind of overarching theme, which is like, what is, what is a Mandalorian? Like, what, what does it mean to keep this helmet on? Is this something we should be doing? And that's still kind of the overarching theme with Din
1: and Grogu is going to be Mandalore. So the lore of Mandalore. It's 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 a little you know, I I think that there is a little bit of this this struggle that you're talking about the expectation and ownership thing. I think they're baking a little bit of that into this because the Mandalorians used to be this this unknown entity this like, you know, they were a mystery to us fans for most of our time watching Star Wars. And now they're writing rules that and, and then immediately telling you like, no, 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 that's not the rule anymore or the rule needs to change. This is it the doesn't way. Serve, it doesn't serve us. This is the way.
0: This is the way. Um, I want to bring up, like, the. So then, in the second part of episode three, or the bulk of episode three, we get a real, like, bad, uh, not bad, but a real book of Boba Fett where we're going to give you an episode about somebody else. Um, is this whole Pershing plotline? So, Pershing, uh, Dr. Pershing was in episode one of this show with Werner Herzog wanting to get. Um, Something from Grogu. We know at some point. I think it's Episode Three when they ends up. Episode Two. He, he
1: wanted to grow goo. You know hey, what I'm saying?
0: Boom, 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 and then gave that to Moff Gideon, and so he had a whole hand in that. But now he has been rehabilitated. Amnesty. I got there. I got amnesty. There. I got there. It's called. I, amnesty. Saw, I actually
1: saw it flash in the captioning on the screen, and I saw it, and I was like, I wonder if that's the word he was trying to find. <laughs> that is. This is the way so, I
0: am um, the thing so that's he, that we have that whole idea about he is now um and cloning is uh we follow his story so we can learn something. It's like the fact that cloning is um uh, not allowed, and we learn that uh former imperials can be rehabilitated. There's a great I always talk about the Star Wars books. one of the books I'm reading is the Alphabet Squadron trilogy. And that is all about a rehabilitated uh, pilot from uh from the the Imperials and it, and it's all about that process It's really cool if you want to kind of go deeper on that and it, and it's Canon it's Star Wars Canon because it's part of the del Rey book series but there is an overarching thing that we are trying to kind of do with this storyline and if you've been watching Bad batch this season there's some of that too. We are planting this overarching scene this is a course correction for something that freaking jj did which (laughs) was make palpatine alive yada yada palpatine being alive basically yeah literally literally in the crawl was just like palpatine's alive i'm like okay no we need a little bit of build up to that so what they're kind of doing i hope that there's just more than this is the this is the way we are doing this thank you I hope there's some more, but clearly we are trying to build out this backstory that not that in in Bad Batch, you're getting it specifically that Palpatine is interested in cloning and they're cloning uh, different powerful beasts that they want to have. But and then in this, we're learning more about we want to get the cloning program up. We want to clone force um, sensitive people. We are definitely trying to do like a Clone Wars animated show with the sequel trilogy correct
1: yeah and i i think that i think that dave filoni has proven himself to be the ultimate untangler of you know that he's he's the retcon detangler he's the guy that comes in and connects the dots and gives you the long setup that makes things make more and better sense and you know arguably yeah you don't you don't ideally want or want to have somebody that has to come in and clean up the mess afterwards. But, you know, 40 years from now, this is all going to exist as one monolith on Disney plus 2.0 plus, plus prime, plus prime, plus prime max. And, you know, the the new consumer there will get to see the entire monolith. It will all just exist as one story. And the, the who's the, what's the, where's the, when's and the whys of how these elements of the story developed, will not be impor- as important as, hey, there's this whole saga. And I can start at this point where it says episode one, or I can probably at that point go even further back. There's an old republic that's that's all developed. And you just make your way through in the order that the story is meant to be seen rather than the chronology that we know about. And 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 I, th- I like the idea that you can go back and very simply kind of connect elements to tell the rest of the story. I like that Dave Filoni can come in here and kind of like, and I don't think it, it seems to me that this isn't just a, hey, we need you to clean this up. It seems to me that this was seen, th- they saw this as an opportunity That's, to, weave, I, to weave part of their story in. I, yeah, I like that you're,
0: that you, way you phrase it that way. Cause to me, like, especially if you're somebody who's watched all of the Clone Wars, like, I was somebody who saw the prequels, thought that they were what they were, which were not good.
1: And that's going to factor in later. Just hold on to that. Yeah. But then to then watch
0: some, I didn't want to watch Clone Wars when it first came out because I was like in my twenties or maybe early thirties. And it was like, I'm not a child. And this is very clearly a children's show, especially the movie. The Clone Wars movie is like goo goo gaga Jabba the Hutt's baby. It's just like,
1: yeah. (laughs) At one point, Ahsoka turns to the camera and goes, what color am I wearing? And like, in very good. You know, so yeah. yeah, aimed a little lower.
0: Yeah. But then, you know, you so many people are like, no, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. You got to watch it. Pandemic Same. hits. I need hours of television to make me not go crazy. And I just started watching it and I was like, and it's tough to make it. The first couple seasons are still very much a kid show, but then you get all this like lore building. And somehow at the end of it, you are watching the front the final four episodes could just be put together as make that the movie. I would, that would have been an incredible film. And it's this character Ahsoka who, when you first saw her were like, Anakin didn't have a Padawan. Like why would he have a Padawan in between two and three? And then in three, he never talks about, you know what I mean? Like, but they did it. Like they did it. They made you not only like fully believe and understand why she wasn't there, why they hadn't seen each other for a bit, but then to give her an arc at the end that was like incredibly powerful and well done. And it's just like, okay, if that's what we're doing, if we're going to like, to phrase it, broaden this story out, then I'm hopeful because the because I did not care for the prequels and I did not care for this idea that just Palpatine was alive and behind it all. Like that was just such a like... Let's just get past this so I can, you know, do some fun stunts. Like, which, great, the Rise of Skywalker's got great sequences, but I did not care for that choice
1: of storytelling. <laughs> I thought I thought it would have been, especially because the reveal of Palpatine happens in the crawl, I've maintained since the beginning that you could have just said in the crawl, "There's a mysterious signal coming from space, and Kylo Ren's trying to find it, and then make that, and then make you know make Palpatine a surprise, and then we go yes. then you can yada yada Palpatine." But to go, oh, Palpatine is in the oh, okay, Sheev's back, she, which yes. is short for Sheevan. Yeah, Sheevan,
0: Sheevan Palpatine. Yeah, the fact that they just like. Said it, and we're like, you guys, don't worry about it. We just—it's written right there on the screen. He's back. Don't overthink it. I'm like,
1: no, I'm. You're, I'm you're going gonna to. get. You're gonna get Lando in like an hour, so just like sit on it. You're, you're good.
0: You're gonna get Lando in an hour, and hey, we brought Carrie Fisher back from the dead somewhat okay.
1: Yeah, what if what if the whole opening crawl of that third movie was like the stuff you're going to see. So Palpatine's back and we got Lando an hour and 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 look Carrie's here but it's not going to be weird. And by Carrie I mean Leia of course and the the crawl always talks about I it's like first person. <laughs> and hey, guys,
0: for all you real hardcore douchebags, don't worry. Rosie Marie Tran, we cut her out of a ton of this film. Don't worry. Yeah,
1: she's basically not – she's only here enough to make you go – I remember hating her. And then when you see Wedge, whoops. Anyway, Wedge is here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, that is their take. I absolutely loved Rose uh, – it's not Rose. Kelly Marie Tran, her character's name is Rose. I thought she was fantastic. I thought whatever people yes! – what, what the fans – did to her. Those people are not fans. You people are freaking gremlins. And the the fact that she had to leave social media, y'all are terrible and you should feel
1: guilty about it every day. I'm going to work on a pitch for a Rose Disney Plus series where she's a spy.
0: Love it. I, it she, they, they, God, they really, JJ, JJ just really was like, I'm writing a script, but I'm going to go through all the comments first. And I'm just like, <laughs> Total mistake.
1: Yeah. Hey, before um,
0: I sit down and write this, uh, what are people saying? Yeah, t- utter mistake. Um, now, so Bo-Katan is in The Children of the Watch. And so there's a lot of, now that now that that's happening and a lot of the things you're talking about is who is, who is controlling these imperial soldiers, there's a lot of conjecturing. So I want to just wildly conjecture people who we think could show up Oh, wait for a couple minutes. Let's not get too crazy. But you did say Thrawn, and what makes you think that Thrawn could be showing up?
1: Uh well, new rock stars who are my my Bible at this point, they They're did amazing. They do absolutely they amazing did, work. They did call out that that this is a lot of TIE fighters for some random warlord, and that really in this time and place that one of the few names that we know of, unless they're going to introduce somebody wholly new, one of the only names that we know of that can kind of, um, you know, bring that kind of firepower about is Thrawn. And we, you know, we saw the Pergles, We, we, we know Ahsoka's brought it up. Um, and we, I I think it's full on, we're going Thrawn. And that, and that I think cool. that he is like ultimately. Chills.
0: <laughs> chills. That would be amazing.
1: And, and I think that, putting him in the center of this attempted resurgence of the emperor somehow is is like a an it's a i think it's an interesting decision i think it's a fruitful decision for them to make that he he becomes the big bad you can focus on we don't the viewing public doesn't know a lot about him so you can start to build and build um doesn't yeah, have a prior and a prior impression like palpatine does dude what if like
0: i would this is, I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm making a pitch. Favs, if you want to like hire me into the writer's room, I'm not going to hate on it. I've got plenty of samples I can send you. Um, like episode five or six is just like open and it's like a slow crawl and it's like a forehead that's blue and then eyes and then the eyes open and it's red. And, we just, and, that, and then it's just all of a sudden we're like on a full Thrawn episode. I'm just putting it out there. Just, yeah, full throng, uh,
1: full, th- full throttle. Full uh, I, full- I I, will be I will be <laughs> so stoked as as a young boy who read those Timothy Zahn novels when I was like nine and was introduced to the blue skinned grad grand admiral. Uh I, I have this affinity for the character and I'm really glad to see once again Filoni reaching into that. Infinite toy box that Star Wars is, and pulling out some of the some of the cooler characters that that can be worked with, and they, especially like his the whole angle that they introduce, um, or that they exploit that Thrawn is this guy who gets insights into cultures and how to beat them through their artwork is so interesting to me.
0: Yeah. Oh, he's like, so like for those of you who don't know who Thrawn is, he was in, he was a legacy character created in the books that the extended universe that were written before Disney bought. And then Disney said, those are all not Canon. And then Dave Filoni brought Thrawn into Canon by putting him in rebels. And then there's now a, a series of can, there's three, there's two different trilogies of Thrawn, kind of backstories that are all canon but yeah he one of his traits is that he studies his opponent by looking at their art to see because emotions are where weaknesses are found and so by looking at a culture's art he can poke holes based on where the emotion in the art is And like that is just a wildly interesting character
1: also his motivation he's not an Empire true believer he's not beholden to the emperor he comes from a region of space that has been taken over by something even worse than the Empire and he fled into known space to find forces that he could ally with to uh, in, in, to ally with his group the chis ascendancy I think is his his group the to, Chiss. to fight to fight that group so he you know he's doing all of this bad stuff to save his people. So he's not yeah. he's not the Emperor, he's not one of these big villains, like he's motivated by something good. He just executed he executes it wrong, yeah, uh,
0: I'm gonna throw out another name of somebody who I think is gonna show up because I think we're getting more and more um it seems because now that Bo is being brought into the the covert, I do think we're gonna get I'm starting to feel like we're getting some sort of consolidation of forces, and I do feel like Sabine Wren could potentially be showing up in the show. We know that she is for sure going to be in Ahsoka. So why not introduce her here so we don't have to do an introduction in Ahsoka? Just, it's like just putting, putting
1: Spider-Man in Civil War. Here he is now off to his own thing.
0: Exactly. And I think that I was like, oh, we're, there was a point where I was looking at Bo's helmet with the kind of artwork on it, which is specific to, and has always been specific to Bo Katan's helmet. But I just had this moment. I was like, oh, are we going to get Sabine? Is that happening? I would love it. Bring
1: her I, in I now. Think it, I think it's. I think it's likely. I think it's going to happen, and I think it's going to springboard us right into the rest of what we've got coming from the filoni verse. I think so. I think it definitely feels like we're going to get some sort of like Ahsoka introduction,
0: so Ahsoka can hit that show introduction, not character, so that show can start episode one running. Yeah. Like, so if we get a full, like, if we go book a Boba Fett and give her a, two full Ahsoka episodes in the middle of our Mandalorians, so be it.
1: Um, Alex, is this Star Wars or
0: Star Trek?
1: This is Star Wars, right up your butthole and out your nostrils, buddy. It's got it's it's in you. It's on you. Yeah. It's through you. It's Not Star even Wars.
0: Questionable, and we mentioned it briefly. I called it Man andor. That whole section of the Pershing uh, aspect of it was so, which you barely even touched on. It was so Andor esque. It was so like we we're getting yeah. into these. Like this is these are non Force users. These are non. Um, these aren't Mandalorians. These aren't generals. These are people who are like the the nuts and bolts, the inner workings, the cogs and the machines.
1: And the desk s- jockeys, the cubicle writers. Yeah, of, there was those. Uh, yeah,
0: there was those feelings of seeing Pershing um, sitting at that desk doing that work. That and there was that point where Kane was kind of walking into that big meeting and there was a moment where I was like oh shit is Cyril going to be in this bad boy because, <laughs> he, because she has that short slicked back hair like he did and 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 god what a what a character Kane is i don't so we she she tells on him but she still has the equipment and then she just straight up murders him
1: yeah wow. she's she's her connections to whoever we're gonna get later are v- very interesting to me and in, and i brought this up to kenny too. another like in this and or coruscant sort of thing the the main square where pershing and what's her name sorry again kane, kane. pershing and kane uh they they touch that rock and the design of that square with these spires is something Ralph McQuarrie came up with the, for the first version of Coruscant in like 82. These are 40 year old designs that are just like, here we go. It's part of, it's part of the genetics. It's, it's right here. And I love that.
0: Yeah. I thought we, and it's, it's fun to see Coruscant through the years now, you know, we saw Coruscant during, um, the Galactic Senate and the prequels, and then we've seen it now through Andor during you know the Empire and what that's like and that's why they, because we and Andor really delved into those like interworkings of rebellion, which because now we're starting to see like uh, because we know that there is going to be the first order, and this whatever is happening under this we're seeing like the inverse. Andor right now and so i love that we were kind of in that field which is is star wars now so like this at first it took me a while to be like oh no we're not going back to din and grogu for a while and then i found myself totally sucked in because i was like oh this feels like i'm back you know with
1: cassian and Cassie cassian absolutely <laughs> cassian, Absol- cassian and they and and for them to be able to kind of link themselves with something else that's so tonally different yet in the same universe is is awesome.
0: Yeah, so great. Um, Alex, um, who, winners and losers here. We all know who the loser is
1: going to be, but let's talk about the winners. Who's your big winner this episode? It's it's I, I know I do this a lot, but it's just me. It's me. I'm the big winner. I, I can, got to, I, know. I got to I got to spend another hour with my friends in a cool place, and it and I, I yeah I'm I win. I win, you win, we all win. We all win. I bet my big winner.
0: There's, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot to love in this episode for FN. Sure, my big winner is Bo Katan, man. I just think her character just gets more and more interesting. And as somebody who is like a big nerd in the Cape space, just I've always loved Katie Sackhoff. I mean, she. I don't ever want to. I don't like when we take actors and call them by their like one role that we remember them. But I mean, come on, she's. Battlestar Galactica, but I love Starbuck. to, I love to see her. I'm not going to call, I want, she's more than Starbuck, but I want her. It's great to see her do fun things in other content that I enjoy. I think she's a great actor.
1: Um, Remind me to tell you about the time I helped her write like a five to 10 I minute know, standup set. I know set. the story. <laughs>
0: I know, I know you did this. You know, I don't even going to tell you Alex wrote stand-up for her and she did stand up like once for like a charity event, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh my god! I would. I remember you telling me about it being like I would be dead.
1: So we. All I can't know, believe I got to sit across a table at Jerry's Deli from Katie Sackoff for that long, and it wasn't like I wasn't arrested.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> no one. No one put hands on you. It's Like, sir, <laughs> no, no one wants you here.
1: Yeah. Um, especially Miss Sackhoff. Anyway, go ahead. Especially Miss
0: Sackoff. Well, the loser, of course, it's you know it's Sam Wilson's boat. I mean, I know we're in a galaxy far, far away, and it's a long, long time ago, but there's no reason why. We can't have a world where Sam's boat. I mean, let's let's buck a trend here and give, you know, a a black family in Louisiana some generational wealth. And let's just say that the Sam Wilson's boat has been. In, you know, not just has been in the family for generations, centuries,
1: a long let's time just, ago. Yeah, let's
0: just take it all the way back to like ancient man. Like, you know, they built this boat. I mean, why can't it be there? We're in space. We've got flying gugahs and talking what's up a what's just have the boat <laughs> show up.
1: <laughs> here's here's a here's a free idea kevin feige the boat could show up in star wars brand new it's all beat up when we see it in falcom in the winter falcom and the winter soldier as said falcom and, and 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 you, you can shoot yeah. in star wars it could be brand spanking new with like a like a, a a repulsor nacelle or something on it so we can sell yeah. a new toy kevin
0: yeah i mean look we don't want to just consistently be giving all away this information for free like pay us eventually but you know when it comes to Sam's boat, we will, we're will we the day one boat stand kings, period.
1: Day one boat stand kings, baby.
0: Uh, Alex, do we have another advertisement for the, the Jesus Grill?
1: <laughs> it's actually Old Pops Cowboy Steakhouse, the, the steakhouse that puts God first. Um, it's Old Pops, where you know you're dining right with the Lord because we keep his terrible revealing light in the center of our hearts. There's only one day a week when Christ is the Prince of Peace. The other six, he sits in fiery judgment at Pops. On in, (laughs) amazing.
0: All right, I have one, two, three, thirty-eight palms
1: driving thirty-eight palms. Okay, I have five. minutes I got a game for you.
0: We may have to record this rest of it soon, but get the game going. Let's go. We have a
1: game. Okay, so this and I have a hard out. This is called this is called nothing but our wars. This is a series of Star Wars (laughs) questions, and you're going to sense a theme. Okay, so the first question, chronological to time in the real world. So in order of release, who is the first character to speak in all of Star Wars?
0: In order of release, not in order of
1: like the story chronology? Not in, not in universe chronology, in order of release. First character to speak in all of Star Wars. Grandmoff Tarkin. Wrong. C three PO. Second question. Oh. Who is the first character to speak in episode one? A gungan? Right? The answer is who cares? Uh the the third question third question. Princess Leia first tells Grand Moff Tarkington, which is what autocorrect correct made it, uh, Grand Moff <laughs> Tarkington, that the, she first tells that him that the Rebel base is hidden on what planet?
0: She first tells him that the Rebel base is hidden on, uh, I don't know,
1: Scarif. Dantooine. <laughs> oh, not Tatooine. Uh, That's right, Dantooine, yeah. What species is native to Endor? The Ewoks. Trick question. We don't know. It's not Ewoks. Those are from the Centauri the moon of Endor. Ah,
0: oh, that's right. God, you got me. I was going to say that's the moon of Endor. Damn
1: it. <laughs> in episode two, who is the guard that is assassinated in place of Padme? Oh,
0: yeah. It's He was killed. He was, in the, he was like in the first movie and then they just like immediately killed him in the second movie. Uh, I, it's no, actually, yeah,
1: tomorrow, the, answer is, the answer is who gives a rat's ass is the actual <laughs> answer. <laughs> Uh, which which hand does Luke lose to Darth Vader? Oh, shit. His left one. Wrong. It's the right hand. God damn it. Uh, who frees Leia from Jabba's chains? R2D2. That's correct. Yeah. Um, who has the last line in New Hope? Um, Luke. Is Chewbacca?
0: Oh, he goes. Um, well, that's yeah, right. That's At true. The end, he's like he doesn't have his medal. He's like we're going to give you a medal, but you can talk. Like, get
1: out of uh, so, your final question: mm-hmm. What is Darth Vader's final line in the prequel trilogy?
0: Uh, I know where this is kind of going. I'm going to say I don't give a rat's
1: patootie. No, the actual answer is get out of here with this crap.
0: Ah, that's right. Because that is that's stuff is <laughs> straight garbage. Um, so that
1: was nothing but our wars, a Star Wars trivia game.
0: I love where that was
1: going. Um Alex, we have one more take from the steakhouse. Yeah, uh Old Pops Cowboy Steakhouse, one, two, three, thirty eight Palms Drive. It's the is it's the steakhouse that puts God first. Uh we don't serve poor's and minorities because they <laughs> ain't in the Bible. And we don't serve breakfast because they're just chicken abortions. Because eggs are just chicken abortions. <laughs> Old Pop's Cowboy Steakhouse, come on in.
0: I, I'm gonna tell people to please don't go to this restaurant i mean don't go there because it's probably not actually there but also like
1: just please don't eat at this establishment yeah ever. no no no. it's it's really and also the food's really bad like, um
0: we'll take we'll take the underwriting money but that's it um hoopla recommendations hoopla you can you can read comic books digitally on your phone yada yada just google hoopla alex what do you got for a hoopla recommendation
1: it's a it's another follow because I'm still working my way through it. It's a great title. It's the other side of the DC universe. Uh, is really 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 cool. I'm I'm starting the book book three, which is about Katana, the Japanese superhero.
0: I love her. She's one of my favorite characters that I think should have been in more Suicide Squad action. I'm going to recommend. Um, there's a Netflix show that season two is going to be coming out soon. It's called Sweet Tooth. It's a uh, it's a DC uh, is the the comics company that really cheeses at least it, but it's Sweet Tooth. Look it up. It's about a future world, a future where kids start being born as like half animal, half human babies. And there is no explanation for it. And then the world kind of collapses from there. Um, It's a great little read. It's a good uh, show on Netflix. So check that out. Alex, what did your dog
1: think of episodes two and three of The Mandalorian? They were all. They were all just. Uh, they were happy that I was watching something that didn't elicit maniacal sobs like everything everywhere all at once did last week. Oh my so, god! Yeah, uh, a return a return to emotional normalcy.
0: Yeah, to peek behind the sausage bar again. Um, <laughs> it took us. It took us. Well, I don't know. Seventy two hours to record last week because you just would not stop crying. We had several full shows that. Which don't get me wrong. I want you to be you and live your truth. It was just the audio was almost worse than my current audio is.
1: It was unreleasable. I kept saying everything, every, and I would just keep, I would just like he- a of tears.
0: It was a lot, but you know what? You had your truth and you lived it. Um, my dog is back in LA and I'm in Palm Springs, so I have no idea how she reacted to it. I'm going to assume she didn't leave the room because I watched it. I watched it at like 10 o'clock, so she's definitely asleep by then. So nothing,
1: bedtime.
0: yeah, the dogs are never moved by anything that we do, but I'm moved by everything you do, my friend.
1: You move me on a daily basis. My and I,
0: I'm going back to L.A. on Sunday. I will bring pick up my podcast, mic and bring that back here. Well, we'll talk about Mandalore. I don't know. There's a new DC movie coming out. Shazam. Should we do Shazam? Should we do Shazam. <laughs> Furry of the Fury of the Gods.
1: I'm, I'm going to see Shazam. Let's chat about it. I don't know if we should should, should hold a, a funeral vigil for Shazam.
0: Yeah, Shazam doesn't seem like it's going to be happening. But I do – I will say I think we should definitely do on the 31st – we could talk about maybe doing John Wick, but I know you haven't seen it in the movies. But definitely March 31st is when Dungeons & Dragons comes out. And that movie is getting fantastic reviews. I think we should 1,000% do that for
1: sure. 100,000%. Let's do it.
0: Beautiful. Uh, you're the best. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being on this show with me, my friend.
1: Thank you for being a show.
0: Thank you for being a show. This is copyrighted <laughs> music. We can't be singing this. All right. But we don't, people, <laughs> find us on social. We don't need to plug our socials. Just find us. Just look us up. Duke Use Midnight. Google, you clown. Jenny G. Stevenson and all the social. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.
1: Bye.